15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Harvard Business School Online offers a flexible and engaging way to learn vital business concepts. Our professional certificate courses are offered 100% online and can be completed on your own time. Try a free business lesson at hbsonline.info and discover how Harvard Business School Online can help you take the next step in your career. Go to hbsonline.info today. Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. For this is a story not of the universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen. This is a very special episode of DC On Screen. And not very special in a Zack finds some pills and screeches backpack kind of way. Uh, we have a guest on the show today. We don't normally have guests, but uh, joining us tonight is the West Coast editor of SFX, a reporter for Total Film and Digital Spy, who has also written for The Nerdist and is the author of the new 100 Things Batman Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, Joseph McCabe. Hey, guys. Thanks again for having me. Dude, you're welcome. Thanks for being on. And by the way, you have a great uh, action star name, Joe McCabe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just you sounds like a the, very uh, young Bruce that Willis. That could have been the, like... <laughs> yeah. Or the sequel to Bullet. <laughs> right, right. The yeah. It's it's not bad. When someone pointed out that it's close to McBain, I was I was comfortable with that. Oh no. Yeah. I mean that's a that's a good name. Mm. So um I think I'll start this off by asking you okay, so this book has a foreword by Paul Dini. When you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror, how much does that inform how you carry yourself throughout the day? Are you just <laughs> perpetually on air? <laughs> um I, uh, I'm kind of a spoiled brat, to tell you the truth. Um, my first book uh, came out about 14 years ago, um, and it okay. was a book about Neil, Ga- Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. Hanging out with the Dream King, and, uh, and Neil wrote the foreword to that one. And That's then... Um, la- heck of a start. Last year, I had a... Su- <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. And, um, and then my la- last year, I, um, I had a Superman book come out in the same, f- the same format, you know, it was 100 Things, Superman Man Should Know and Do Before They Die, and Mark, Ray- Mark Wade wrote the foreword to that. So I don't know what it's like to have a book without a foreword by <laughs> a nerd superstar. <laughs> um, that must be... A, just like... That's a terrible burden to bear that you don't it's know. It's like... A, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a ridiculous first world problem. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you you really know. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a trifecta though between Mark Wade, Paul Dini, and Neil Gaiman to have to have the forwards. That's con- right. That's uh, congratulations outright. Like, I would just retire <laughs> in general from writing ever again. Walk away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I could get hit by a cab right now and pretty much break even. Just discontinue my Microsoft Office subscription. 
Yeah. <laughs> what you know is interesting is uh seems like the forward is is kind of a strange thing in, in general. It feels like, you know, if you were sexting, you would be sending someone pictures of other people's dicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. look at these guys. <laughs> You'll get an idea. <laughs> I did read the... Uh... I, I read the Superman forward too. It's 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 not all uh, cotton candy. Like Mark Wade did challenge you to a trivia contest. That's oh, true. Oh, he did, and yeah. yeah, and then I instantly um, I did a signing with him at his store um, in Muncie, Indiana, shortly after that book came out, and um, and I walked up to him and I was just like, Mark, I uh, you know I any anything but that. <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. Um, and then just to like confirm. That that would be the worst idea in the world. Um, you know, random customers would come up to Mark. He would, I um, I think the folks who shop there regularly, you know, they played this game with Mark where they would just come up to him, and uh, I think they would just start showing him random covers of Justice League, and he would have to guess the issue number oh, uh, from, the out, from the from the entire history, and he would just get it right every time. You know, March nineteen sixty three, blah blah blah, and um, number, you know, whatever. And, uh, and it was just like, this is, you know, this is stupid. The, the guy's walking, you know, Wikipedia. So, you know. Mm-hmm. so you're not putting oh odds on that. No, no, no. I'd sooner challenge him to like, you know, armed combat than, um, <laughs> than that. Fair enough. Well, you might actually win that one. That's <laughs> Fair enough. We're going to have like said, a, leg- I'd have a fighting chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. yeah, I can see that. Do like an obstacle course, but for DC folk, it'll be fun. I feel like yeah. Jeff Johns no, might I mean, win I have it. The, he's, uh, he's in decent shape. Yeah, Johns looks like he could kill somebody with Probably. his bare hands. <laughs> yeah, need be. And yet I'm pretty sure he was one of the ones going, hey, don't let Super- Superman snap the neck. <laughs> <laughs> he knows restraint. When he yeah, I have the Superman uh, I have the Superman book and the Mark Way, just just the few things that he mentioned in the, uh, in the foreword I was going, I, I don't know what this is. What? These, <laughs> I didn't know these Superman things existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, it's, he's it's very gone. invested in, in Superman. <laughs> so uh, yep. this book, this this uh, 100 things Batman fans should know and do before they die. Dude, you have managed to distill 78 years of history across several different mediums into like a 400-page book with pictures. And you've done it immaculately. <laughs> and I'd even Aww, say fairly. <laughs> like... I can I can catch little glimpses of like bias with like certain things like what your opinions might be on things, but mm-hmm. it's very fair. And on top of that, you've got all these interviews with these people. I mean, talking about the people with the forewords, you've got extensive interviews with Jerry Robinson, Adam West, Burt Ward, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, Kevin Conroy, Diedrich Bader, Neil Adams, Carmine Infantino, Scott Snyder, Frank Miller, Tara Strong, Denny O'Neill. There's just so many. The Nol- Nolan, Ledger, Bale, Sale. That's not even all of them. This is ridiculous. I don't want to run Dave out of breath here, but there are plenty more. There are plenty more. Um Absolutely, it really is. It's an experience where, like, as you move through the book, you 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 finish an interview after a subject, and and you flip to the next page and go, "Oh no way!" And now, (laughs) oh lord, thanks. That's high praise coming from you guys. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And you you know, I I, I'm the type that I'm like, look, it's 400 pages. I'm not going to read the table of contents until later. So all this (laughs) is a surprise to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's like reading the instructions for a new uh, piece of electronic equipment. You, you know, worry never, about that later. Never done um, it, never will. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, um, 
Yeah. Well, the inter- the interview um, aspect is is really what made it interesting to me. What made me want to do it because when um, I did the Superman book, you know, initially when they asked me, all they wanted was prose. All they wanted was one hundred chapters, and and I I was just kind of like, well, you know, the first rule of writing a book is to write a book that you would buy. And mm-hmm. as a fan, I don't know if I would just buy a book, you know. To, with a prose, you know, talking about 100 different things. Um, you know, there's a lot of sources, reference books out there, a lot of reference websites, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. when they said, yeah, go ahead, you can use the interview, you know, interviews you have, interviews you want to do, you know, whatever you want. I was just, oh, this is great. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. they basically, you know. So they kind of let you off the leash a little bit. They, they just, yeah. And, uh, and so... Um, and so I did that for the Superman book, but with the Batman book, I wanted to do it even more because there's just so much, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so many, and so many guys who were, who were living legends, so many guys who are still with us, you know, with, with Superman, a lot of the great ones are, are sadly gone. And, sure. yeah. uh, but, but post Dark Knight Returns in a way, is it, you know, at least half of the legendary Batman creators. Um, That's fair. And mm-hmm. they're, st- they're still around. So um, so the, this one wound up being, I think it's about a half of it is interviews. I think there's at least 200 pages of interviews and then probably 200 pages of prose chapters, um, you know, including photographs. Uh, and it's the biggest book I think that they've done. I think at 400 pages, it's the longest title that Triumph Books has put out, certainly in their pop culture title series. Um, you know, they also, they publish um, a lot of books related to like sports and um, and whatnot. But in, as far as pop culture goes, they've done a volume on Star Wars and, and one on uh, the Avengers and, and one on the Beatles and one on Elvis. I think this one they've said at 400 is their longest to date. And uh, it was, which it was not easy for them, by the way, because they were pulling in people working on other books, I think, to try to help copy edit it and to, to, to get it done. But, um, God bless them that they, they, you know, that they gave me that. Cause, uh, <laughs> the resources, it would, it would, it would, oh, uh, like, this is a ton of research. I mean, this is, uh, for a lot of people, this would be a dissertation. Uh, well, I wish my wife is actually a PhD <laughs> student. So when, when you use the word dissertation, like, <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of like the reason I don't call myself a journalist. Because to me, journalists get like shot in the Middle East, you know. <laughs> ah, I got you. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. an like I, I'm an entertainment reporter, um, and and uh, so you know when I hear dissertation, I was just like, oh god, you know, that's ugh, that's what my wife does. Um, so, well, it anyway. certainly has that much background. Uh, I mean, um, it's it's mm. definitely minimally it, it qualifies as a thesis if you don't want to upgrade it to dissertation. But it, it's, yeah, it's definitely I get, I, well, got the like I understand not the I understand the street cred uh, the street cred kind of uh, reticence, but it's still there's a ton that like you you really have to know what you're talking about, and you you go out on a limb on several occasions where some people don't want to tread. Like the the thing with Jerry Robinson and, and Robin, these are yeah. things that are coming to be more common knowledge, but they're not yeah they're not the standard story yet. So regardless yes. of uh, I don't know how much painstaking research went into it in general, but I, I do know that it's thorough. It, you, you did the homework. Oh, thanks. Um, well, it's it's easier now, though, of course, to do the homework on Bill than it would have been 10 years ago, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, especially after the documentary. Um, that it was a great you know, documentary. I'm assuming too. you guys have seen the yeah. Oh, yeah, Finger Doc on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
thank God that exists and that has, you know, kind of made it mainstream, you know, his, his legacy. Um, uh, and that's largely due to, um, uh, the efforts of Mark Tyler Nobleman who wrote Bill the Boy Wonder, uh, the children's book, you know, uh, the, uh, the secret co-creator Batman, um, and then actually found Athena Finger and, and brought her to DC's attention and vice versa. And, um, you know, and all of this really happened within the last 10 years. And most of it is due to his efforts to do, due to his, all his research. So both that children's book, which I pray to God, he one day does like a full size adult biography of Bill because, you know, I realize information is scarce, but he certainly deserves it. Um, yeah. and, um, and there's a need for it. Um, but yeah, so that between that, that book and the documentary, you know, it's, it's nice that it's getting to be, you know, and, and then of course the credit, you know, the fact that now, you know, DC credits, everything is, you know, Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Um, uh, to me, it's like, it's almost like right now, <laughs> I don't know. It almost seems like, I don't know, almost like a moral, like, prerogative to sort of, like, you know, to put Bill's name out there, because it's just like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. there, it's just like, there's there's so many decades that, that, you know, have to be made up for that, you know, like... Yeah, I and know. I yeah. I have a fear that that's not the last time a contract will be written like that. It's not like the industry necessarily learned something from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the fact that they settled, that Marvel settled with the Kirby family, and, um, that Bill got that credit within, I guess they both happened within this, within like a five year span or something like that. Mm-hmm. That, that alone to me is kind of crazy because, you know, when uh, I remember when Siegel and Schuster got their credit, you know, in the mid seventies or the late seventies, um, due to Neil Adams efforts. And, um, that was a huge, huge deal. And that was like all, that was all we had in a way for like decades. But then, <laughs> you know, these two major things happened like within a few years of each other. And it's, you know, so so I guess what I'm saying is like um, that gives me much more hope than I had for decades prior to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, uh, you know, so but you know, whatever. No, there's no cockiness though, because yeah, a lot of un, un, unheralded uh, creators out there. Sure, maybe it's at least yeah, I feel like, the right direction. I feel like these. I feel like these days a lot of the the higher ups in, in at Marvel and DC and these kinds of companies are a lot more um, sensitive to those issues, though. Like, I mean, how do you not hear Neil Adams talk about, you know, Siegel and Schuster not being able to go see their own Superman play? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they had no mm-hmm. money. Like, how do you hear that and not change something inside of yourself? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. It seems like a lot of them are, are, are more sensitive to it, even though it's still kind of shitty <laughs> the way they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that old adage, adage I think, that um, you become more conservative as you have more to conserve. And, you know, once Disney bought Marvel, that... You know, it, it, it's not Marvel's fault. It's just the way things work. Marvel becomes a more conservative company once Disney buys it. It's mm-hmm. because it's bigger and has more assets and more resources. Um, it's, more lawyers. It's just the way life works. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> way more lawyers. Way more lawyers. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, you know that, you know that yeah. entertainment phrase, don't fuck with the mouse? <laughs> it's the first rule in Hollywood. It really is. <laughs> yeah, back when... When Disney first announced they were buying Marvel and all the fans freaked out, they were like, what the hell? Disney's buying Marvel. This is going to be awful. I thought, it's better than Toy Biz owning Marvel, which I remember right. having. <laughs> right. right, right. <laughs> We've upgraded. Why? Is it? Exactly. 
Right. It's like, wait a minute. So, so John Lasseter calls the final shots instead of Avi Arid. I'm happy with Lasseter. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Wait, right, so, so, so it's, it's, it's a, so it's either the guy who made Toy Story or the guy who made those really cheap Spider-Man action figures back in 1994. Hmm. That's tough. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna grab a one-sided yeah, coin A-Rad, and see man. what happens. <laughs> like I, now going back to the finger thing, I did. You know, how much do you want to like just? You know how they have those questions like, oh, if you could have lunch with one dead person, one person who's passed away, who would it be? I a lot of times I feel like Bob Kane. I just want to sit him down <laughs> and show him that documentary and go. The world knows now, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> we know what a dick you are. You know what? I hate to say this, but I feel like everything that I've read and heard about Bob Kane leads me to believe that he's that, that you would get the same reaction you would if you like sat like Donald Trump down and you know showed him some of the injustices that are out there right now. Like, like I, I don't even know if he would have the the the, the skill set necessary to interpret it, like or to or to you know. Yeah. It- Every, everything it. I hear, it's it's uh, yeah. he lives in his own narrative. Like Bob Kane, yeah, exactly. Is uh, uh, he, he definitely had some narcissistic tendencies, um, and that yeah, enables yeah. you to kind of you you set your parameters for what you believe and what you know about, and you you go about your day, and then anything that falls outside of that doesn't necessarily have to compute. It, it does. It's not even that you're bringing it in and it just doesn't check out. You don't even check it out. It, it yeah. sounds like yeah. from what I've read that Bob Kane was one of those kinds of people that like he kind of wrote history as he went mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. like for him there there were he didn't have a qualm about writing a contract where no matter who else worked on this project that was a developing ip that was a an ip that was uh, so bad that when he brought it over to bill it was unusable and then bill fixed it and he was like yep it's mine now like <laughs> <laughs> and this is totally the right. thing that i'm yeah. taking responsibility for it's insane um but yeah really he, that, he that just sounds like a politician to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, I, I gotta admit, like Bill uh, Bob Kane probably would have made a decent senator somewhere if uh, if you just profile. <laughs> he him. missed his he missed his calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he should have gone to Washington. And then that, you know, that being said, he did have the seed. Like it, and by seed, I mean like he basically had a, a rough idea of of some it was some tiny minuscule amount of a character that they brought to him and said, "Hey, can you match Superman?" And he said, "Yeah." And then Bill fixed it for him, but at least I don't know. Maybe without the, yeah, we don't get Batman. I don't know. Yeah, right, right. He, it's it's he jerked yeah. off into a piece of uh, into a piece of paper and said, "I don't understand why this isn't art." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill went, "Well, let me just reconfigure some of it for you." And there you go. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask this. It's a stupid question, but I have to. In terms of bad aesthetic, trunks or no trunks, man? What do you prefer? <sighs> Um, jeez. You know, it's a harder question to answer than it is with Superman. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, aesthetically, the Superman trunks really nicely break up the costume. Whereas with Batman, you know, there's so much black to begin with. Yeah. And so, well, or so, or so much dark gray that it, you know, you, the, the idea of a moving, living shadow isn't all that bad. So I, I don't have a big horse in this race, um, as I would with Superman, where I'm just like, trunks, yes, absolutely trunks. <laughs> yeah. But, um, fair enough. You know, so, 
Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's that's, that one's something like I don't know. I wouldn't. That's not really the hill I would personally choose to die on. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> it just depends on the Batman, I guess. You know what I mean? Like Neil Adams Batman to me looks wrong without trunks, and um, the Christian Bale Batman looks wrong with trunks. So you know that kind of thing. That's fair. I don't know. There's a few shots in. Uh, there's a few. There are a few shots in Dark Knight Rises when he's fighting in the daytime, where you can just see mm. how easily that rubber is bending. And I'm going, ah, I could really use some trunks here, Ben. Use some trunks in those pants. Yeah. <laughs> this he was probably thinking that about the time that the rubber was bending <laughs> into his abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you and, and Bill were on the wrong page for pages. <laughs> no, all right. Uh, similar question. So, uh, where, where do you stand with the bad ears? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, I mean, it's... Ah, the problem is he's so malleable, you know? I mean, there's just so many different ways of interpreting him that work um, that, again, it's like long ears on the Adam West Batman would look wrong to me, and... You know, mm-hmm. short short ears on the Tim Sale Batman would look wrong to me, um, and I feel like they're both equally valid interpretations. You know, it's um, it's 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 weird, you know, because it's like with Superman, it's like I feel like there's just like you know he really should be bright and he really should have trunks, and with Batman, it's like God, it's there, it's almost like an acid test to see how bad an artist you can be if you can't make him work. yeah because because it's just like it's ridiculous the number of different versions that work you know i I can't think of another you know daredevil if you look back at some of his costumes it's like that but you know it's like god every single version they've done like there's some you know some artists out there can make it work yeah 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 like yeah you know i know a lot of people who hate it but um, mm-hmm. like personally in my own life, I know a lot of people who hate it. But if I could, I would just post. I, if I had the room, I would just blow up every cover Kelly Jones ever did with those like three mile long ears and that <laughs> extended Marshall Rogers cape and just go with it just everywhere. Oh, okay, I would have it everywhere. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> it, they they are they are lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we 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 disagree. Totally on impractical like, for me. A, a two inch ears just world, adequate. But... It's fine. We're good. I got the. the mean. <laughs> and in the Capula version, you can just or the Snyder Capula version, you can just make those daggers. Just rip them right out and go. I'm fine. But it's like mm. dagger length <laughs> handles. It's that that all makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. How do you feel about uh, all the stuff Snyder's been throwing into the back cannon lately? Um, Scott like Snyder. Pre- yeah, sure, 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 sure. Uh, pre All Star Batman or. Just uh, overall, like, because yeah, I feel like he hasn't really. Well, pre I don't post feel like is a good designation though, because like pre, that's almost established at this point in a way. And post, yeah, like he he kind he's really yeah. kind of working on his uh, swan song with Batman. It seems like in the last couple of years. Yeah, like his when he wrapped when he wrapped his run on um, the title with Greg. The, the regular run that was kind of the end, I think, of that of his mythology for Batman. Um, uh-huh. I think I think All Star Batman is more like you know his Legends of the Dark Knight, where you know he's just kind of taking individual stories and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But but as far as you know his his regular run went, um, I liked it. You know, um, he the one thing he did that I think stands out uh, is this sense of the city being the damsel in distress to a greater extent than most comic creators had it. There was always this, uh, always a sense that the whole city was like on the verge of like losing its soul. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
and uh, that was something that Nolan, you know, you know, tried to do a little bit in Dark Knight Rises, but I hadn't seen it done on a regular basis in comics before. Usually it seemed like there was either like, you know, individuals he was trying to save or something, you know, some chunk of the city that was representative of this. But there, with Snyder, it was almost like, and I think this comes from the fact that Snyder is like such a, you know, and such a New Yorker and, yeah. and, and, and you know, such has such a strong love of New York that he kind of sees the whole thing as one entity and he just, you know, always wants to wrap his arms around the whole thing. Um, and that's why the last issue of his, of that run, by the way, is, is, um, is is kind of just like I don't know if you've read it, but was it's, that like it's the basically game just run? like Batman gets. Yeah, it, well, it was mm-hmm. a, it's actually just a single issue. It was after the last um, story arc. It was just kind of an epilogue. Oh, it was basically okay. just like uh, it was. Be, I can't remember the name of it or even the issue number right now. But it was basically and, and frustratingly, it's not collected in the volume that collects the last arc. So you actually have to buy mm. the separate ver- volume to get this one single issue. But it's Snyder and Capullo's swan song, and and um, it's basically just like Batman gets a night off, and um, nice. and it's the the city pays him back for everything he's done for them. And, um, you know, you know, and it's just kind of like a love letter to Gotham. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what stands out for me about Snyder's run. Plus the court of owls there. I think they rank amongst the great rogues gallery villains. Um, you know, it, it was a great to, kind of seamless edition. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, exactly. When you say seamless, I think that's a good way of describing it. Cause it's, you know, like Harley Quinn always, she feels like she's always been a part of this universe. Mm-hmm. Like she was create, like it yeah. feels like she could have been created in the forties or something like that. And the court of owls kind of feels like that. Like it's like, Oh yeah, of course there would be this long, you know, secret society, uh, you know, you know, yeah, that makes, of course. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a sense of inevitability about it. How much pull do you think the court of owls has though? Moving forward? Like we saw them done on Gotham and I personally didn't like the way they did it among, did among Gotham as opposed to the books. Like, yeah. do you think that there's more of a, like, hey, let's one and done it? <laughs> or do you think there's oh, a lot of ways? I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, uh, it's kind of like, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. I think it's kind of like the Borg, where it's, it's like, you know. <laughs> now I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of, they kind of have one, they kind of have one great story in them. And then beyond that, because they don't, really have a single figurehead or, or, you know, it's a league of assassins without a Razagul. So that's um, actually, well, you know, so they, they get to threaten him once, but it kind of doesn't, you know, recurring wise, you know, they don't have a face for him to keep punching. Yeah. (laughs) And if they keep coming back, even, you know, just like with the Borg, they keep, they kept coming back in Voyager and it was just sort of like, Oh my God, why? Like we don't, you've just diluted it so much now. Exactly, um, and even when they gave when they gave the Borg the Queen in first contact, it's like, well, this this makes they're not the Borg now because the Borg aren't supposed to have a Queen, but you know, you know, I I feel like there was a storytelling tack they could have taken to to make that make a little more sense for me, but mm-hmm. uh, whatever with the with, with the comic with the comic or Gotham <laughs> with Star Trek. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the Borg. I got I got sidetracked on the Borg. Sorry. Yeah, you, you can you can sidetrack Dave with with Star Trek on pretty much anything. Good well, to know. You can you can sidetrack me with pretty much anything, really. <laughs> no, it's it's not all just you know lost acorns. It's just specifically with Star Trek. You can... That's his kryptonite. Huh? Okay. That squirrel gets going, man. Or <laughs> so, I want to jump back in time. How did you get into comics? Um. 
uh, let's see, probably like most people, um, little kid, um, probably two years old. Uh, dad works at a local, dad works at a hospital. Uh, he works in, as a business manager at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the hospital thrift shop has more comic books than it needs. Um, <laughs> so it's like giving, giving them away. He nice. comes home one day with a box of com- comics. Yeah. This is like 1974. So old comics in 1974 are like sixties comics, mm-hmm. um, silver age, classic comics. Nice. And, um, some of them have the covers ripped half off, some of them all off, but, you know, nonetheless. Um, so, yeah, so, like, my earliest images are, like, late 60s Justice League covers and some of the Kirby Fantastic Four covers uh, and some random Silver Age Superman and Aquaman covers and things like that. Um, the first, that was, like, the first batch, and then I think my mother threw those out. And then Ugh. I think he brought, and I think he brought home another batch when I was like four years old, and I was just starting to learn how to read or something. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember the first words I learned that I remember reading um, were in the Fantastic Four Annual Number Five, where Reed Richards uh, asks Ben Grimm if he will be Franklin's godfather, because um, I for some reason I just remember those words um, and. Um, and I told Stanley this once when um when I was talking to him, and uh, but I couldn't remember the issue number at the time, and uh, and so I you know I just told him and I was like so you know I, I thank you so much because like you know I, I think you, you know you kind of taught me to read and uh, <laughs> I'm like yeah, but I but I just don't remember the issue number and Stan puts his arm on my shoulder and he goes I would have been more impressed if you remembered the issue number. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like this is so I just awesome. I was just insulted to read. by Stan Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was great. And then Mark like, Wade yes. pops up and goes, one thirty two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think you're referring to <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's fantastic. Yeah. That's good. Well, that's anyway. great. So yeah. But All yeah, right, so, so um what yeah, kept you going? Then, yeah. Um I mean it's God, oh God, what keeps you know, any of us going? It's it's like uh it's the American dream machine. Um, it's the um, the ultimate medium in a way. It has the. I think Will Eisner put it best when um, he said that they have the emotional immediacy of movies, uh, but they have the the potential for audience participation or involvement uh, um, of literature. So mm-hmm. you know, you, it's kind of like the best of both worlds in some ways. Um, you know, you can go at your own pace, but you can, you know, get a, a, that great, you know, emotional uh, charge that you would with cinema. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, th- I mean, that's it in a nutshell, you know. Um, uh, I think, like most people, you know, I quit for a time when I discovered Girls, and then, you know... That's went natural. Back to them several years l- Absolutely right, natural. Right, exactly. And then go back to them several years later when you realize that, you know, DC's putting out, like, Vertigo comics, and, you know, oh, this is like, you know, it's really appealing to you when you're in college and, and there's no such thing as HBO uh, at that time, or at least not like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it is now. Not in its current state. Um, so yeah. It, no, so, not in its current uh, state. So similar question then, like, how do I put it? Um, your, your college, I, lo- I looked up the college. So chem- oh, yeah. chemical oh. engineering? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ridiculous. <laughs> and then MBA. Ridiculous. There was, yeah, total. Oh yeah. More ridiculous. Total waste of time. And then journalism. Um, those are like yep. three different types in, like to in say, general. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the engineering was a total waste of time, and uh, and so was the MBA. But there was one good thing that came out of it that, like, 
you know, and that's like, I met my wife. Um, so I never want to like kill myself for wasting that time because I know that it was, you know, like, you know, invaluable in that sense. <laughs> but, um, uh, but otherwise, yeah, you know, um, I didn't like, uh, I, I, you know, I went into chemistry in college and then I switched to engineering, uh, chemical engineering. Um, and then just, you know, kind of, it was one of those things where I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and I was good at math. So I just kind of fell into engineering. Sure. And then, when I, re- and then when I realized, exactly. Yeah. And then when I realized I didn't want to do it, I kind of saw business as a way out. I was like, oh, well, if I get my MBA, I can go into the business side of, of, uh, the chemical industry. Been there. And then I real, and then as I was getting the business degree, I was like, I don't really want to do this either. And, um, <laughs> but all along, yeah. And, but all along, I, you know, I always wrote, I always, um, uh, I, I was always kind of like writing in one form or another. Um, in college, I, I did movie reviews for um, my school's paper. You know, I, I went to Villanova, so it, I was always writing for the Villanova and doing that stuff. Sure. Um, and uh, oh, and by the way, though, I did it with a pen name because my mother got pissed off because my grade sucked. Oh, nice. <laughs> ah. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, the, no, I'm totally uh, because, working hard on my grades, and then you have another mm-hmm. another name doing real work. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I hated engineering and chemistry so much, so I, um, so eventually that disdain for them caught up with me, and and I just didn't do that well in the courses. Um, so, and she got, you know, she was. I remember just getting mad about that. So I, I used a pen name. I, I went with Roger uh, Thornhill, which is Cary Grant's um, um, hmm. Nick. Uh, that alias he uses in Hitchcock, Hitchcock's North by Northwest. Nice. <laughs> so, Very nice. So, um, oh, thanks, thanks. So, so yeah. So <laughs> and you're you not going to get caught old, on that uh, one, you know? No, 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 no. Yeah. At this point, my mom doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so if you go through old issues of the Villanova, you see these reviews by Roger Thornhill. It's that, that was me. <laughs> but, well done. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, thanks. Well, um, I, so yeah, yeah. So yep. Go ahead. I had I had one question related to that. And this is going to be a silly one, but chemical engineering in general. It is. It is a very uh, well. One I wanted to know, like that. That's. I mean, you're like seventeen, eighteen. You pick a major, kind of thing. Maybe you're nineteen, and you, mm-hmm. you then you try to pick one. But like, it does kind of indicate a sci-fi bent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that like yeah. something that's yeah, been around sci-fi, for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. Um, I mean, comics and sci-fi go hand in hand. Um, it's just that I don't think I understood fully, like, how much sci-fi was out there or what forms it took until a little bit later than, you know, four years old. Right. Um, because you know, you, you don't, I, you know, uh, but it was always that kind of like enticing forbidden fruit kind of thing, or that kind of like, you know, thing that was a little bit scary, but like, you just couldn't resist it. You know, like I remember on the other hand, it was a thing that like Sagan was, was kind of pimping in that time was like, this isn't scary. This is actually really very romantic. You just have to embrace it. Oh, totally, totally. But I was too young at that time to like appreciate Sagan. Um, uh, or even maybe be awake when he was, <laughs> you know, when, when Cosmos was on PBS. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I remember like running behind the sofa when Doctor Who came on, you know, that, that opening music was always like terrifying, you know, gotcha. if, at, like six years, six years old. I don't know why, but it's just like freaked me out that Yuri synthesizer music and, um, and Star Trek was kind of like, okay, this is, this is kind of cool, but it was still a little bit scary because I just remember every episode, like, they're going to die. 
like every <laughs> every episode it was just like i was just terrified for the crew because it was just like oh sh- they're totally going to be killed yeah. <laughs> like so it was like and i was like a really sensitive kid cuz like i had this overprotective mom and i would you know watch disney cartoons and you know she would throw away the superhero comics and um mm-hmm. so uh so star trek was was also kind of terrifying but like you know you know you get a little older and then you know some you know 12 turn 12 13 years old and uh, wrath of khan comes on tv and you, you watch it and it's like, oh, it's good. And then you videotape it and you watch it over and over and, you know, um, and then stumble into SF literature because, you know, you're, you, you go to the library and the, the Star Trek novels are there. But, oh, who's this guy's books next to them? Who's this Ray Bradbury guy? Um, ah, and, nice. uh, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then Bradbury doesn't just write a sci-fi. He writes horror and he writes fantasy and what, you know, all these other guys are writing those genres. And, you know, and then, you know, the scope kind of becomes slowly there and it's I, I i don't know how it is now i imagine it's much more of like a, all at once for kids with the internet because it's all like you know instantaneous but you know when you know 70s and 80s when you don't have that you're just kind of like you're getting this little little pictures but you're not getting the whole image you're just getting little pieces of the puzzle and then you know finally you put it together um oh one, i don't know i, I like to think yeah favorite examples good. of like the the transition between uh kind of the, the new digital age and the previous age was analog. I don't know what to call it. But like you mm-hmm. like when 89 Batman came out, there were there was what was it like a 2 minute uh kind of teaser for it that happened on the news. It wasn't yeah. part of anything else. It this this mm-hmm. aired and like this was like you had fanzines, you know, kind of the normal distribution methods, but you also had like this was a a minute or two of the footage, and it was it was huge. It was backbreaking mm-hmm. for the networks to actually air it. Mm-hmm. Now you get that yeah. three times a week before the yeah. new season of Flash airs. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, and you get but it then on that was half the time. Absolutely mm-hmm. groundbreaking, and it didn't even have music, if I remember. No, it didn't. It was it was just it was just the sight of the Batmobile like racing down the street, and it yeah, was enough. It was like nothing out of it. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember, yeah, I mean, I remember the episode of Super Friends, the first time they ever mentioned that Batman's parents, or showed Batman's parents getting killed on screen or alluding to it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was groundbreaking, you know, and that, that was like nothing compared to the 89 Batman. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was just a <laughs> Hanna-Barbera cartoon that was, you know, still, you know, poorly animated. Um, but, uh, but a good script. Um, um, but, um, you know, so, uh, when that 89 movie came out, yeah, Jesus, I mean, it, yeah, I totally upended the, the culture in every way. And it was just, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to like, I guess it's when like this, it was really the closest I think I've ever seen to when Star Wars came out, where it was just like everyone, it hit all the quadrants and everyone in every quadrant connected to it in some way. Uh, whether it was like, oh, Michael Keaton's funny, I'll see anything he does, or, oh my god, I've been waiting for a live-action Batman that takes it seriously my whole life, or, you know, or, oh, wait, is this like that Dark Knight Returns? You know, it's just like, <laughs> or, or even just, or even just like, you would go to the department store, I remember, like, I would, I would go to, like, um, Macy's with my mother or something, and they would have, like, you know, the t-shirts there with, like, Brian Boland's Joker on, on like, a t-shirt or something, and it was just like, what the hell? You know, you never saw it. A T-shirt like that in, like you know, a department store. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah. There, there, you know, um, I mean, there are yeah. sections yeah. at Target and Walmart now. Whole sections. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Oh my god. I mean, 
that those action figures that came out from that they were the crappiest action figures you know the bob the goon action figure and the you know they gave the the crap they, you know they were they used the same sculpts as the superpowers but they didn't do as nice a job on them so they didn't you know but even those yeah. were just like a big deal it was just like oh my god this is like a dark batman action figure yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like uh this is mm. i mean that might have contributed just, to why like, like yeah. what, i mean i was i was a kid uh but even getting those like uh, Batman Forever Happy Meal toys. I didn't. I, I didn't care mm-hmm. when I went back and saw it. It was a little kind of weird. I mean, I was. Mm-hmm. I was. I was very young. So like, I had all the Happy Meal toys, and I was pretty <laughs> happy about that. But like later, talking about genitals being blown sky high, I, I didn't. That just <laughs> was not a problem for me. I was just really happy I had like a penguin bill. <laughs> right, 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 right. Or the bat missile, which was yeah. you know looked like a. Which looked like a zip gun in a way. Like, it really, like, you yeah. could hold that up to someone's neck and probably, like, you know, get them to give you your, give you your, <laughs> might your have, wall yeah. if you wanted to. <laughs> like, it like, might have been, we might have weaponized fat children, is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's where, you know, that's, yeah. I, uh, I, you know, listening to you guys talk about it, I may have not have, uh, may not have actually thought about it until just now. 89 Batman may have ruined my childhood. In what sense? <laughs> uh, well, I saw it when I was uh, for my sixth birthday. All right, I had no like preconceptions. I mean, luckily I didn't have any ideas about like typecasting or anything. So I was just like, "Yeah, Beetlejuice." You weren't can like, be Batman. "Yeah, Mister cool. Mom, screw that." Um, you were like, "Yeah, cool, Michael Keaton." Right. Um, well, that's that was part of how I got excited for Batman is because I love Beetlejuice, and mm-hmm. you know, my mom told me like, "Oh, it's the same director," and ex- kind of explained that to me. But. Um, <laughs> Batmania had blown up so much, like Batmania was so crazy that I just thought comic books were mainstream. So, like, you know, I went to school going like I'm loud and proud, you know, and mm-hmm. no one else had that same <laughs> that same I concept. See. They were just like, "You are lame." I see. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm kind of glad though that like at least you still got to be called lame when you were a kid at school. Because, <laughs> like, you know, now... Because I, I, I think that's character building. And I imagine now, <laughs> little kids... It is. Like, let's face it, you know, what doesn't kill you makes yeah. you stronger and all that. But And now, little kids go to school and, you know, everybody's got their Big Hero 6 or their Wonder Woman backpack or whatever. So it's it's not the same thing. Like, I don't know what it takes to get abused at school now. <laughs> like, I don't know how dorky you have to be. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I don't know if there's yeah, an emblem you can wear that's going to make that happen anymore. Right. <laughs> it's just, I, just it, Yeah, you need this. It does, I mean, even in, it, even in my subgroup of nerd friends, uh, there was a WB cartoon, I want to say, uh, named Freakazoid. Like, I referenced mm-hmm. oh, that. Oh, God, yeah. Br- br- Bruce and, Tim worked on it. Yeah, it's great. And even that, I kind of got a little bit of shit over. But I, I, I was like, no, yeah. seriously. I mean, you were all watching the same cartoons. Why are we not on on board with this? So yeah, <laughs> there's always yeah. yeah, there's always some subcategories. That's I, don't know, I know a twenty year old. I know a twenty year old who actually cried because they took a quiz and it turned out they were Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You should have known that. Sorry, buddy. I'm like, they, sweetie, you, sweetie, you dress in all black. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so they identified as Gryffindor. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, this is the first thing. Is, like is actually the only one I know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the loyalty of the Hufflepuffs or whatever it's called. Yeah, I think that's what, <laughs> the one they wanted. Yeah, I was just, eh. <laughs> anyway. All right, I got a little, I got a little bit of uh, straight book questions for you, right? Yeah. So, um, all right, the book does a pretty good job of, of telling like, the history of the people, the characters, objects, imagery, all of that individually. Um, you, you start with, like, fingering Cain. You go through the pre- pretty much the entire iconography. Um, but the, the thing that I, I, I really enjoyed is, like, something like A Hundred Things, one of those kind of books, can be treated as a, like, mm-hmm. page-turner, you know, every time you sit down and you read it. Or it can also be treated as a coffee book, like a coffee table book. Um, you know, you just pick it up every now and then and read the next thing. So you, you can go mm-hmm. either way with it. But the thing I liked about it was you kind of... Like, starting early on and going through the history, it's largely chronological, but not decidedly mm-hmm. so. So, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. like, going through each chapter, like, if you're getting to the Jerry Robinson chapter or the Neil Adams chapter or something like that, you might... Well, there's almost a recapitulation of how the character got to, you know, Jerry or Neil. So, it, mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. a... I, I think a pretty good job of, of staying chronologically bound in a way that like if you read it there's a recap and here's where you are in the history um mm. it's actually mm. in that way really it really easy to digest but mm. you know technical question is that purposeful yeah well the that that's um partly born out of the the publisher's um format um the idea with the 100 things series is that you're you're ranking um the topics in order of importance and um, they're also designed so that they're designed with the knowledge in mind that most readers don't start at the beginning and go to the end. So they tend to around. just dip into it. Yeah. They tend to just pick it up every once in a while and like, you know, like chewing gum, just kind of go, you know, random places. Sure. Um, so, so that little bit of uh, you, recap you, is in, intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And the trick is to try to recap it in a way so that it's not, uh, too repetitive in the way it recaps things. Um, but the chrono- the fact that it seems a little chrono- chronological and that it is a little chronological is kind of like an inevitable byproduct of the fact that you're ranking them in importance because, you know, obviously, you know, to build a house, you need the foundation. And so the foundation becomes the most important part of the house. So, yeah. So naturally, you know, Catwoman and Joker are going to be more important than like Bane and Poison Ivy. Fair enough. Um, yeah. um, and then after a certain point, you know, maybe after like 30 or 40 topics, then it becomes a little more of a challenge, I guess. Cause then you're kind of like, well, is penguin or Riddler more important? You know, um, but, <laughs> well, um, that was actually, uh, you know. that was kind of a follow up for me. Um, so you're trying to get down to a hundred and that, mm-hmm. that makes entirely, uh, that makes sense to me. Like you, you try to make sure that no one's lost if this is where they led up to you. Like if, if they just pulled this thing, if, if I pulled this book off the shelf and thought, man, I love, the animated series and pulled it up i could kind of get some sense of the history or if i just pulled batman yeah. 66 because that's my demographic and pulled it up like i've got some semblance of where it came from but mm-hmm. you're also trying to get down to like 100 things uh what kind of criteria lead you to 100 things i mean um there's far uh, more than know, 100 like, things like, that's got to be oh, a yeah, little absolutely. bit painful oh god oh yeah it's totally painful um the superman book was I don't know, a good, a different kind of pain because that was more like 
there was a little more scrounging there, you know, because, you know, after Brainiac, Brainiac and Metallo, you know, his rogues gallery is just a little, for little like, for his major rogue. Yeah, like, Batman has the richest rogue. Like, you could do 100 just the rogues gallery and probably make it work. Yeah. You, yeah, I mean, like, like Superman, you be... after, you know, Brainiac and Doomsday and Lex Luthor, you've got a series of rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. uh even, it, <laughs> your, your name, like... If we all sat here right now, we might be able to come up with like a dozen majors, and then after that, it's scrapping. But still, you didn't you didn't yeah. have to like go like I think you maybe have uh, eight or ten ish. Just just guessing, but uh, eight or ten like villain um, chapters, I, I'll call it in this. Yeah, I think I, I remember. Um, I think it was it might have been like twelve, but I, I don't know. I want to say it's less than because I remember it is, Yeah, it was less than fifteen. I think it was like between ten and fifteen, maybe. I don't know, but. Um, but still, like you didn't uh, like you didn't like rely on each villain to fill out the the book. It's it's clearly like you had a hundred Batman things of importance. So like, what what gets left behind in a process like that? Um. Well, like towards towards the bottom of the um the list is when it starts. You know, it, it becomes more and more of a you know, like I said, a challenge because it's like okay it's really debatable whether the Mad Hatter is like a more important villain than the ventriloquist, um, Scarface and the ventriloquist. Sure. Um, but the Mad Hatter made the cut and Scarface and ventriloquist didn't. That was really, you know, that was just how I went with it, but I can, you know, easily see somebody arguing that the reverse should be true that, you know, um, and I wouldn't deny that for a second. Obviously if they like, you know, put the Joker after the, you know, uh, uh, you know, the Mad Hatter, then something's wrong, but, um, you know, but like, yeah, once you get into that stuff, but it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Zaz and, and, and the ventriloquist, I mean, you know, I mean, in a, and in a way, it's like, should the Court of Owls be in there and not the ventriloquist? But it, um, but then it kind of becomes a thing. Well, the Court of Owls doesn't just, it, it's not just a rogue. It's also the defining story of Snyder and Capullo, which is like, you know, arguably one of the great runs. Like a uh, four great writer art. Yeah. Yeah. So at a certain point, it's like, you know, huh, with Neil Adams, or Marshall Rogers and Steve Englehart, it's like, they'll get a chapter, but it's like, I don't know if Snyder and Capullo, you know, they just haven't been around long enough so that they're of the same legendary status that they get a chapter. But the court of owls feels like, you know, that's something that, you know, that, yeah, fans should know about that. That, you know, <laughs> if you only read, like, if you only read one incontinuity Batman story from the last 10 years, there's a fair argument that you would go with, with the, the court of owls. That's fair. Um, yeah. Similarly, like you do include Gotham, like, mm-hmm. and it, I, our overall opinion of it has been it's it's hit or miss. Do, right. Do you have a take on it? Yeah, that's the opinion of most people. I think. Um, uh, yeah, that, that and, looks um, like that was your take of it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It it and I think part of the reason, it, and I I realized there could be more Gotham in the book. Like I I, I could have probably had you know interviews with some of the cast because i have interviewed the cast for from various outlets but it just feels like a show that's still in develop if at least at the time of the writing it felt like a show that was still in development and that it could very quickly solidify into something but it wasn't there yet and so it felt a little bit awkward to be like offering some sort of 
judgment or even attempt to offer a, a, a blanket statement on a show that is like so rapidly evolving and changing. Um, and also the, you know, the argument there is that if you wanted to, you could say it's a Gordon show or a pre Batman show and not necessarily a Batman show. Um, so yeah, in the end, I felt like there were enough little arguments you could use to like not have too not have more Gotham than is in the book or, or, or to not like, you know, uh, make some sort of like blanket state judgment on Gotham. Cause it's, um, you know, I, it, it, you know, it, it, it has its flaws and, but I think the show also recognizes it has its flaws and it's constantly trying to like do, you know, to, to try something different. And, you know, it's just, it's just very erratic in, in all of this though. It's not like Game of Thrones, you know, it's not like, um, Walking Dead. It's just, it's just a, it's, it's a very, yeah, schizophrenic show. It's not unlike the Rogues. <laughs> oh, it's definitely in flux. Yeah, I think you were like, right when you were, I think you were right when you were talking about how it, like, jumps from, like, 66 Batman to, like, Burton to Nolan really quickly. Like, it's, like, it's just tr- trying to grab things, uh, stylistically and tonally from all of those different sources. And it's just not its own thing, somehow. Yeah, yeah. And yet, like, my sense from the last season and, you know, this coming or, or this this new season is that it's yeah. What's your take on the premiere? Know, it's like, start. It's get, it's getting better. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like it's getting closer to being its own thing or to recognizing what it needs to do to be its own thing. Yeah, <clears throat> I, like that's the the big confusion right now is it it takes it pulls from so many things that we're not sure where it's going. Right. And you like I I feel like for a few years we we've been waiting to see what they want to finish on this yeah. season. Yeah. Might get us there. Well, you know, there there's that belief that like like with the uh, Joss Whedon shows that like he really hits his stride when he thinks he's about to be canceled. I feel like that's what Gotham's gonna do now because oh, right. <laughs> their ratings keep dropping. So I feel like they're like, all right, we got to get him in the damn suit. Let's let's get let's finish this story. Yeah, they've already got they had that in the preseason like teasers. It, it's it's obviously it's obviously part of it. Um... <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> Let's take another part of the canon, though. Uh, all right. So, you care if I pull a couple of uh, quotes from you? No, not at all. I'm going to pull three and just kind of ask you. All right. So, Batman 66 is lounge lizard hedonism, beach blanket kitsch, and Elvis <laughs> movie merriment poured over atomic age gadgetry into a glass of vitamin D. Whole great American milk. Pure of heart and twice as groovy. Uh... I have, I have. That might be my favorite line of the book. It's fantastic. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. That is first of and all what point. I'd call fantastic writing, and second, uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds deadly accurate. Hmm. Thank you. So you've you've got like, well, the reason I say like, care if I read a couple is you've got a couple of series that you're very fond of. Me too. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm not. Uh, for the children in the 1990s and the new millennium, these series were Batman. But they're unbeholden to any time. Existing outside the confines of form and period, perpetual in movement and memory, they elevate an already archetypal character and his world of the purest form, condensing a half-century of comic book stories into one thrilling, coherent narrative, one that's definitive in every way. I don't know if I could agree with every word more than I just heard. And, uh... Hmm. Yeah, between that and... You, you, you go between those two, like the 66 series, uh, BTAS in general, and Brave and the Bold. You, mm-hmm. you seem to have a, a lot of love for those series. Yeah, yeah. Over, They're all great in their own way. Overall question, uh, what is it that's 
happening there that makes that so definitive? Which one? That's my question. Uh, like, oh, I see, I see. I see what you're saying. Oh, um, well, I think I used <laughs> the word definitive to describe BTAS, right? Pretty sure. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, definitely with BTAS, and yeah. and that is to be sure. <clears throat> yeah. Like me and me and Dave are on board with you. That's our version of Batman, the animated mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. That's where it is. Like I've got a huge amount of love for Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. Also have a huge amount, mm-hmm. a huge amount of love for for like Batman sixty six as far as where it was in culture at the moment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it, where do you compare? Do you feel like series? Brave and the Bold is a is a marriage of sixty six and BTAS? Um, I think Brave and the Bold is what happens if you make six Batman sixty six in the twenty first century and make the humor written by really good twenty first century TV comedy writers. Um, because it's smart and it's meta and it's you know it's it's replacing the camp with meta and um, it's replacing the goofiness with wit and um, I mean some of those you know, so episodes it's, it's, are absolutely tear jerking. For for Brave yeah. and Bold, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, you know, like there are tear jerking episodes of The Office, right? But um, overall, you would yeah, still probably is. yeah, but you still probably call it a comedy, <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. Um, but Not the last um, couple of years, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but you'd still call it a comedy. So um, so yeah. So I mean, in general, you know, you would probably call. It Brave and the Bold a comedy, but it's an adventure comedy and it's a darn good one. And um, and yeah, there's some tear jerking episodes there. But I think James Tucker would be the you know the producer creator would probably be the first person to say that in a way there are anomalies. Um, you know, um, Chill of the Night um, is is one of the most popular and definitely one of the best written. Um, James, it's one of his least favorites though, and, and that's because he he feels like it's such an outlier for the series mm. as a whole that that it's. You know, um, it's not really representative of what this what distinguishes the series, but you know, it's still you know a very good episode. Um, but I think, yeah, Brave and the Bold—that's the one that I always point to as the most underrated screen version of Batman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I don't think it's definitive. I don't think it's definitive. I think Betas is definitive. I think '66 uh, is a hell of a lot of fun and. Um, just a dear, lovely thing. And I think Brave and the Bold is the most underrated because it's, well, you, you, anybody, you know, you've seen it, you know, it's, it's just, several times. It, it, it does things that no other TV show <laughs> has done. And it's, it's, it's just extraordinary the way it does it. And, you know, by God, that finale is just like, you know, oh, it's it, not just one of the great, it's, well, I always tell the, it's yeah. disruptive to your, uh, it's emotionally disruptive is the word I want to use. Yeah, and and intellectually disruptive. Yes. It's, it's 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 incredible. Um, it's not just like I always say this. It's it's not just one of the great like cartoon series finales or superhero series finales. It is one of the great TV show finales. Like I think it's up there with the final episodes of like New Heart or Star Trek: The Next Generation, and just like you know, like let's like like let's not just end the show. Let's rip it apart and see what makes it work, <laughs> and then thank they you. Literally for rip it all apart in the parts. background. With the soundtrack from the music of, of uh, Meister, uh, the music Meister episode oh. playing in the background. Oh, right. Pl- play, played a, yeah, played on a solo piano. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like every little thing about it. And you know, from the bit where um, from the bit where uh, Flapper Harley kicks. Um, oh, God. What's his name? The Joker's little sidekick. Uh, Gaggy, where she oh, kicks yeah. Gaggy mm. off screen. 
it's just like, holy fuck. I'm sorry. That deserves an F bomb. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's, 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 oh God. And then the casting, it's like, you know, casting Henry Winkler in that. And it's like, oh God, yes. God. You're and, not just literally McGinley. jumping the shark, but you're, you're and McGinley, paying homage yeah. to the very act. <laughs> like, and, and McGinley, yeah. It's, no. it's, the wonderful fourth wall like, work there, which was wonderfully made of because it, it's already a fourth wall character that's kind of bringing us out of this. So to to deal yes, with a fourth yes. world problem on top of that was genius. Right, you found the perfect guest star for this one, this specific for that specific story. instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does that throughout its run in a way. But in this case, of course, you know, like all bets are off because they can do anything. So they go with like the character that can do anything. Sure, it's, it's amazing. I love that they yeah, I, they so ardently at times uh, make note of the fact that they know what they are and they know that the fans don't like them. <laughs> like, right. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of like, uh, descriptions about the merchandise and and all that in the last last little bit. Well, anything oh with Batman, yes. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the luge, the um, what is it, yeah. the, the bat turbo luge or whatever. Oh, God. whatever costume they were wearing <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The, bat the flames luge, on the yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. oh, so much good stuff. Yeah, it's like I mean that's that's so much a tribute to Paul Dini's writing too because he's just like. You know, he's that rare dude who who's like he's a smart, educated writer who is also a fan who also has a love of the character and he never lets one of those things overshadow the other things. He somehow is able to fuse them all together and create a a singular voice that he applies to every one of his scripts. And it's just oh god, I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I get you. you. Know, if I for some reason you know needed to cry. And I couldn't yeah. summon summon it within myself. I would watch that last <laughs> that final speech by Batman to the children of the world from that right. final Brave and the Bold episode. Is uh, I'm gonna start if I don't stop talking about it right now. And yeah. you know, and, and you know, um, <laughs> and you know the and you know James Tucker. You know, although Paul wrote the episode, of course, James Tucker wrote that speech. That's um, phenomenal because he wanted that in there because that was his thing from the beginning. It was just like, and I don't fully know why. I think it goes back to the Paul's. Uh, James's childhood and how much Batman meant to him. And I think it was just like, but he was adamant. He was like, we have to address this. Batman has to say goodbye to the kids. And, um, and so he took it upon himself to write that little speech. And, uh, Diedrich Bader didn't even know that when I interviewed him, I, he didn't know James had written that part. And I, I told him and he was like, Oh wow. I didn't, I never knew that. Um, but yeah, James did that part and, and Paul did everything else. So yeah, great episode. That's great stuff. God, really All right. Is. So, um, it is safe to say that you that uh, the animated series is your is your chosen copy though, right? It's your chosen version. That's the desert. That's the desert island version. Yeah, that's the the version you take with you if you can only take one. Um, All right. I mean, yeah. In, in, yeah. in your book, you specifically call out uh, Ephraim Zimbalist and Hamill as being definitive, and not to mention Conroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think really, yeah. Yeah, because as much as I like, you know, Bale's Batman, I don't, I don't think he's definitive in the same way that Conroy's Batman is. And, and and when we say Conroy's Batman, of course, it's not just Conroy's Batman; it's Conroy's and Tim's Batman, and and, and you know, and, and the show's writers. But sure. um, but um, he he uh, 
Yeah, like it's it's very easy to play Conroy's voice in your head when you read almost any Batman comic book. Yeah, you know whether whether it's Dick Sprang or Frank Miller or or Scott Snyder or whoever or Grant Morrison, you, you can put if you choose to, you can turn on Kevin Conroy's voice. Actually, you have you him. you bring up one of the situations where it's strangest for me to like hear Conroy over some of Grant Morrison stuff because he he goes pretty far sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like. But then, like, I would never, I don't know, I, but he, he works in Arkham, in the Arkham games, so it's like, he, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, incorpor- you mean Grant goes far? Yeah, yeah Grant Gr- Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it, sure, it sure. incorporates totally, it really. Totally. But, um. Yeah, yeah. You know what's weird, though, to me is that, like, Conroy, specifically Conroy, Hamill, Hamill's and that original TAS cast, their voices live so ardently in my head now that even when I hear them come back and do the characters, sometimes, uh adapting material that's like the killing joke for instance um mm-hmm. i was sitting there going this is all right but i mean this isn't how they this isn't how hamlin hamlin and conroy said it in my head <laughs> <All right. laughs> so it's just, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> when you read it in their voices yeah um so yeah. how much do you think how much do you feel if any that um subsequent uh series in the same tas canon how much would you say uh, they detract from the animated series? Because like the animated series lives in that like timeless reality, but something like Justice League and specifically Batman Beyond make it seem so linear, so you know modern day and futuristic that it kind of, in some ways, pulls me out of like Batman watching in this highly tech car, watching a black and white screen in the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. It kind of pulls me out mm-hmm. of that. Like, how do you feel about that? Well. You know, it's it. I feel like you can. They're like, they're almost like building toys. You know, it's like if you want to, in in your mind, if you want to add Batman Beyond on top of the continuity, you can. In your mind, if you want to add Justice League onto the continuity, you can. Or, you know, you can kind of view them as separate playsets, yeah. and you know, and and just have fun in those worlds as if they were separate worlds. Um, you know. Uh, because I think they are, they are all fun. Um, but yeah, I can see, I see, I see the point where like, especially with Batman Beyond, where it's a little bit like, it, it, it makes, uh, it's kind of like Force Awakens, I guess, where, you know, it starts out and like, oh, Han and Leia are divorced and, uh, <laughs> like, and the Empire's still in power. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like, so it's kind of like, it's kind of, Beta has become sad when you watch Batman Beyond because it's like, oh, he didn't really help things all that much did he because you know even if the joker's dead you know he had more influence over the the citizens than batman did because he's got all these little like gangs running around like cults you know um in his honor um but uh it's a fun series and it's a a fun kind of futuristic series and it's a good like teen series too it's like you know it's like kind of like a smart version of smallville in a way yeah um so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't detract from the original series to me because there's just so much of it. It's almost like, you know, Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and Silmarillion where you just, you know, you can you can jump in and just enjoy one or you can enjoy all of them. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just I grateful they all is canon. <laughs> I'm sorry? Say it again? I, I accept them all as canon. Like, Batman Beyond to me is the perfect ending for Batman because it's sort of like uh, mm. like Angel. I don't know if you watched Buffy mm-hmm. and Angel, but like, yeah, uh, sure. like with Angel, you know, the point wasn't that they win. The point was that they never give up. Right. They know they that they're not fighting. Yeah. They, it's never going to be like fixed. It's just that they're mm-hmm. doing the right thing. 
And and I feel like that's that's Bruce's that's how whole they go out on the screen purpose. is ready to fight the next battle, but you don't know what happens. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which may yeah. be why Dark Knight Rises bothers me so much sometimes, but because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Bruce was like, no, okay, I don't need women. I no, I'm I'll not Bruce Wayne. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'll have a latte minus the side of crime. <laughs> yeah, I I don't need justice. I just need a nice. A nice biscotti. Nice um, French press. <laughs> that's right. Oh, hi, Alfred. Um, <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I kind of think of Dark Knight Rises as like an imaginary story to some extent. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's a what-if tale if you want it to be, you know. It's a well-made what-if tale if you don't like, you know, it, it as a concluding chapter for that trilogy. Yeah. Um, but it's a hell of a better film than X Men and The Last Stand or Spider Man Three or most any other uh, superhero trilogy capper. Um, so. I yeah, I'd agree with that. No, I mean, uh, Dave and I have had our numerous differences with uh, Dark Knight Rises, but mm-hmm. yeah, I actually agree. It's it's yeah, it's it's, it's certainly a that. flawed film, but it but it's a very interesting, noble attempt. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I wouldn't if, if given the option of someone said, "Hey, do you like?" Because we've we've bitched about it on the show a lot. But if someone <laughs> said, "Would you like to just like shoo that out of existence?" I'd be like, "No, let's, let's keep it." But no, yeah, you know, we need to play yeah. with this for a minute. We, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Bane Bane's performance, um, you know, Tom Hardy's performance alone is, uh, you know, pretty, you know necessary <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I think the world would be worse off without tom hardy's pain in it yeah yeah I, it, um i i i liked hmm? tom hardy's voice i just um it's it's more where bane ends up that bothers me about the film though. yeah yeah i should spe- yeah I, I guess i should specify the voice the yeah if only for the the memes and the the parodies it generated and you know that alone was uh world changing which is good in its own way mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It inspired a lot of creativity. <laughs> it really <laughs> did. <laughs> Everyone kind of uh, got to play with that one. The high point of Chris Kattan's career, I think, just about. It's probably. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's. To that, that I say, who? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I know who he is. Um, um, so, do you have something? I have a couple things. Go first. No, go, go, by all means. All right, damn, you put me on the spot. Fine, fine. (laughs) On the spot. Damn it. All right, uh, so you you mentioned (laughs) Mask of the Phantasm as the best Mm. uh, Batman script. Film script, yeah. I I agree, but uh, just wondering if you could kind of pinpoint. There are some obvious scripts out there now that involve the Batman. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you you could uh, maybe elaborate on some of the points that make it I don't know, more tailored to the character. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, well, it gives you a bunch of different things that... Um, it scratches a lot of itches, I think, that Batman fans have while at the same time telling an original story and and treating it with, you know, the respect it deserves. Um, they're, they're, they're playing... Like, for one thing, he's got the best love interest in any of the films in yeah. that one. Um um, and the best response to it in general. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm, how does it, yeah. what's, what's the phrase? I never thought I would be in love or something. 
No, uh, no. I um, never planned this to happen or something. Or I never. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the exact line. Um, I, he was talking. He's talking to his parents. His parents' grave. He says, uh, uh, "I never. Oh, count, a, I didn't I count on being happy. I never expected to be happy or something. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. She's the perfect foil for him in that you know she's kind of like the best femme fatale that any of the films have had. Um, and in addition to that, it plays with um, with time and chronology um, in a way that few films do because it's so difficult to do that. Um, films like Citizen Kane and Pulp Fiction. Um, do that kind of storytelling where they, you know, and Nolan's films do to a certain extent. I mean, just in, in general, not necessarily the Batman trilogy, but where they, they play with like, you know, the storytelling and, 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 and the flashbacks and they weave them in and out in, in such a way that, you know, they, they're comprehensible and yet they still move. The, the story has a driving linear momentum. Um, and the remarkable thing I think about that is that it wasn't written by one guy that, you know, it, it was really a group effort and, um, and all of the, the prominent TV show writers contributed. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's really just kind of, I think, a good example of, like, the studio system at its best, where, you know, they had a unit in place that just functioned as this, like, perfect machine, and each person knew what they did best, and the guy in charge, Alan Burnett, knew what they did best, and made sure that that's what they were given to do, and just that, and that, you know, and everything just kind of, you know... Paul Dini does the Joker parts and, and Alan does the romance and, you know, um, and it really comes together quite well in that regard. Um, and thank God it's finally on Blu-ray and thank God that the whole anime <laughs> series has just been announced on Blu-ray. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd say like the first um, like five sentences you said in response to Jason's question should just be on the back of the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I don't think WB. Yeah, it's it, it, it's like a lot of the great films. It really was kind of an accident because it wasn't supposed to happen that way. It was just I think it was supposed to be originally direct to video, and then it became theatrical, and then it was like a theatrical with a limited budget, and then became a theatrical where they were going to give it more money. And you know, the only thing that didn't work is the marketing campaign because at the time Warner Brothers, you know, they had no idea how to market a film like that, um, and so it died. You know, after like one weekend, it was gone from theaters. Um, but uh, yeah, but I still remember seeing that in theaters and when it came out. And it was, um, it came out, I believe, was it Christmas Day or New Year's Day? One of those. Um, it was Christmas, I think. Yeah. Christmas Day, yeah. About like a year and, and a few odd months after the animated series debuted. And, uh, and it was, yeah, yeah, I still remember going through like an ice storm in Philadelphia to the, to the theater out in Painter's Crossing with my brother to see that and, uh, and sitting down and just being like, you know, holy crap, they, did they just animated like a cocktail party <laughs> like on, <laughs> and on the big screen? Like, was, this is really weird. Like, you know, cause yeah. you're so used to, at that point you're so used to, um, you know, jokes every second or, or musical sequences every five minutes. You yeah. Know? Um, this is after, this is after Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and, and all that stuff. And, um, and it, it was rare that you would, you know, get something like Akira playing in theaters at the time too. So, um, so that was, that was a bit of a game changer in its way. It just, um, you know, it took time, I think for, to find an audience because nobody knew about it because of the marketing. Yeah. That was, that was a pretty big shame. Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get to go see it in the theater when I was a kid. I wanted to, and then we just didn't get it out in, in time because it just went away quickly. Yeah. yeah. It was only a couple yeah. weeks, and it was gone. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, it was really impressive. It was, it was just like, whoa, there's like, you know, when he goes to the World's Fair and then just little things that you don't even get at first. Like when he first sees the prototype for the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, yeah. And it's just like a throw, it's just like a throwaway shot where it just looks like he's looking like, you know, around. He's, oh, this is a cool thing. And then later on, it's, oh, yeah. But then, and then it gets even more interesting than that because it's like, oh, the 1966 Batmobile was also a custom car or it was also a, um, a prototype that Chuck Barris found at like a show and he like remembered that prototype and then when they needed the batmobile for the 66 show you know he went back in his mind to that thing and used it you know is there's a lovely little bit of meta to that that i don't even know is intentional on the part of the writers but you know (laughs) there nevertheless so very nice so uh shall we talk about the uh the current movies uh well i had a question Uh, sure that might lead up to it uh like Generally, your your book history is is very deeply uh, DC oriented. Mm-hmm. Is, is that more like reflective or deliberate? Um, I've had some opportunities to do books on Marvel characters, but for some reason, uh, they don't. I don't know why. It's not intentional. They just don't seem to offer to me individual characters quite as much. Um, God, soil, if you will, for telling. Um, uh, you know, I mean, like when you when you write about Superman, Batman, not as you get fertile to write about everything, or not as fertile. Thank you. Yeah, um, um, you know, you get to write about everything if you write about Superman, and Batman, because it's like they they represent a hundred years of American pop culture. Almost. Sure. So, um, so, and they they're interesting in and of themselves, but they're also interesting as a reflection of, you know, society's, you know, um, perception of itself and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's dreams at any given decade. And, um, with the Marvel characters, um, I don't know, for some reason, they always felt a little more contextual to me. It always felt like, you know, Spider-Man functioned best as a teenager and, and, you know, and, and Cap functioned best as a guy who recently came out of suspended animation and, you know, um, yeah. they didn't seem to be quite as like, I don't know why. I don't know. I, I still feel like if they ever do it, the right way to do a Fantastic Four movie is to make it a period film and set it in the 1960s and have like Frank Sinatra music playing on the soundtrack and you know, have all the guys wear hats and all the, the ladies wear like pencil skirts and pillbox hats. And um, I've been saying that for years. It, yeah. Oh, like, really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I want to see the 1960s Fantastic Four. I don't Honestly, know how it would fit into it's... the MCU if they did it there, but... Everything else <laughs> went tits up. This might work. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know, but but yeah, it's just the Marvel characters always seem to be contextual, to be very much of their times and eras, and, and the DC characters always seem to transcend that. They always seem to be, you know, adaptable to so many different eras. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just. I, I mean, it's because they're more archetypal and because they're more primal in a way. Because they're not. You know, some people would argue that they're their weaknesses or that they weren't designed most of them weren't designed with personalities the way Marvel's characters were but I actually see that as a bit of a strength because it allows different creators to give them different personalities or interpretations you know over time so yeah Fair one, enough. one of the great ways you make a yeah, an icon is to give make them vague yeah so so that people can kind of interpret it the way they they want yeah, yeah, and project themselves into it, you know, like, give them just enough to, you know, to inspire them, and then let them take it from there. Yeah, I was just listening to a, a, a podcast called Imaginary Worlds, and he was talking about the music of world building, and mm-hmm. um, he was interviewing a band, I think they, I think they're, oh God, what, were their, what was their name? Uh, I can't remember. 
um, Vertigo Drift or Virtual Drift, something. But okay. they're doing a concept album where they their main protagonist is they're they're leaving it uh, gender fluid, it's like so people can just relate to it however they want. Mm-hmm. It's like there, and I, I don't know. I just, some, something about that made me think of um, made me think of Batman a few days ago when I heard it because mm-hmm. it was like obviously Batman is a man, but you know there's just so much you can you can just key into and make up no matter what era you kind of go into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's probably part, and that's probably also why you know Vitez is considered definitive by so many different people because. You know, just just visually, at least, you know, in a way, it's the most broadly drawn screen version of Batman. But you know, because of that, it it, it allows um, viewers to kind of almost like fill in the details in their minds, even as they're watching it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, um, um, how do you? Uh... <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Jason. Well, um... <laughs> I feel like I keep doing that to you. <laughs> We'll continue that uh, tradition. So, just wanted to, to gauge your uh, know, your state on this. Um, y- you mentioned like Chris McKay's Nightwing film, Whedon doing Batgirl, Gotham City Sirens. That's all in print now. And you actually said, I, I wrote down this just, just to give you context, as of this writing, but like mentioning the, the DCEU films going forward, did that give you pause? Actually, putting that in print. In in, in what sense? Because um, they're um, because it's so up in the air. <laughs> yeah, all the oh, time. Oh wait, oh I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's um, I don't know. There's two schools of thought. One is that you you know you write for the ages, and the other is that you you know you write for your time. And um, you did you seem know, to like write important. as recently as you possibly could. But then even I I like the sentence as of this writing. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it could change. Yeah, sure. absolutely good. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, but I think it was important just to have a snapshot of like where we are at this point. And, you know, certainly with Whedon's Batgirl, I think that's um, you know, whether that gets made, whether that gets made with him, whether that you know, whatever form it should take, you know, mm-hmm. um, the mere fact that that came to be a, a possibility is noteworthy, you know. Um, um, because in a way she kind of represents, I think more than just, um, she represents in a certain way to me more than Supergirl does. Although there's more like history sometimes to delve into, uh, with Supergirl a little bit. If you go back to the fifties and sixties, um, Barbara really didn't get, you know, her, her own kind of like comic, her own really good, solid, you know, recurring comic until much later. Um, but she, to me, represents the example, the idea, the concept that anybody can be Batman, you know, which I think mm-hmm. is a really important concept um, yeah. because it applies, like you were saying, you know, to gender fluidity, to, you know, it crosses all kinds of boundaries, you know, racial, cultural, whatever. <laughs> sure. And it, um, you know, so she, she's, that, that to me is the thing where it's just like, and also the fact that she's not defined necessarily by tragedy, at least in her original incarnation, um, because it, it almost like, you know, she almost kind of eliminates the last vestige that could separate the reader from Batman, where it's like, well, my parents weren't, you know, murdered in front of my eyes. Um, so, you know, no, she's so just one, as a concept alone. Yeah, she's you know. one of the characters that, like, takes up the mantle under uh, very, phil- like, philosophical kind of circumstances. Um, yeah, yeah. In a way, she's, like, kind of like a prototype of... of um, 
of Dark Knight Rises, you know, the concept there. Or, you know, and to a certain extent, the concept of, of that trilogy in general, you know, is that anybody can be Batman or that, you know, that Batman isn't a guy, he's an ideal and a philosophy and everything. Yeah. Um, and, and Barbara might be the first thing in the comics continuity that really kind of embraces that. Um, where it's like, you know, it, it, it kind of hints at legacy and at, it, 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 you know, at the, at this movement, at a movement or, a, you know, a cause that goes on beyond him, you know, in her. Yeah. So. Now I, uh, always think of like Tim Drake and Barbara in like the last, uh, I don't know, the last third at least of, of No Man's Land kind of working out the coding on, on, uh, how do I put it? Like the, the pieces of land. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. like those two yeah. working together on just like a coding problem makes sense to me in that, yeah. that capacity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also in um, the um, um, but where the Batman? Uh, she's good. Her interaction with Robin is good in that. Um, in the season, I think it's just one season where she gets featured prominently in almost. Am I thinking where? No, I'm. I thinking, I'm sorry. I get them confused with where the Batman and the Batman. I'm thinking the Batman. Yeah, right. Right. Yes, that's right. Her interaction with with Robin. That's pretty cool. With the season that she's prominent. Um, I got super and, excited for a second. I was like, "Did where the Batman have seasons I didn't know about?" No, 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 no. no. I wish. I wish. I was actually liked that show. You know, Tara's good. You know, as, as Barbara once more in that. There's some you know some oh, yeah. stuff. But man, you know, you said. Barbara didn't sit, watch her parents be murdered in front of her, and that made me think: Would it be awesome if we had a story at some point where Barbara becomes a Batman villain? Because in a way, Batman has been murdering Gordon in front of her all these years, like slowly, like whittling away at his self-esteem, making him a shell of a man, like <laughs> making him doubt himself. Like, you need me, Jim. <laughs> oh, that's that's a really good idea. That'd be a fun yeah, day. You probably should keep that to yourself and pitch it to DC. <laughs> I mean, nah. Um, that's, They'll just that's, steal it from me. <laughs> <laughs> no point in being coy. Not <laughs> Not if Paul Levitz was in charge. Paul was very good about uh, <laughs> about taking care of his creators. No. That's good. I'm sure you I'm sure you guys have heard the story about Len Wein, right? About him and uh, and Lucius Fox. I think I have. Okay. That sounds familiar. Tell the story for the listeners, well, if you don't. So it was that um, <laughs> Paul was, you know, pretty knowledgeable um, about the, the company's history, and including its, you know, some of its more distasteful history. And he was mm-hmm. always adamant that all the creators under him um, get credit for their creations um, in some form or another. And he had them always like i don't know what the exact form was that that they would or the exact procedure they would go through when it came to like registering their characters or or copyright or whatever you know but um he len was doing like the first lucius fox story or something or he had just done it and 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 paul was like okay now you know make sure you you know put your name down as having created Lucius Fox. And, Len, and Len's just like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's just some guy in a business suit who I, you know, made up for this one story or something. It's just, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be in it again or something. And, and, um, and Paul's just like, trust me, put it down. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and Len, uh, did. And, and consequently Len, Len said he wound up making so much more money off of Lucius Fox than he ever did Wolverine or Swamp Thing. Um, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's ridiculous. I feel bad. That's actually All in right. there, and I, I recognized it, but I, I couldn't recall it. But <laughs> oh, sure enough, my, my, my memory's it's terrible. covered in the book. <laughs> oh, 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 good. For a second, I couldn't remember. I looked it up while he was talking. I was like, that sounds incredibly familiar, but I, it, you know, yeah, it's in there. <laughs> I assumed it was. I can't remember everything. And I don't feel bad. He didn't remember if it was in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Um. <laughs> All right, so uh, you have a take on on what Marvel and DC are uh, as far as in the movies with who's doing it best, or do you think uh, like what are your thoughts on the MCU? What are your thoughts on the DCU? Just um, broadly, as broadly or as in depth as you like. Yeah. Well, um, it's a little bit it's a little bit um, unfair that they're compared as much as they are because I agree they they are different beast. And I, the general public doesn't know that, nor should they, nor would they have reason to. To um, Marvel is a studio that does nothing but make superhero movies. So whether you like them or not, they have become very good at producing superhero movies. Um, because that's all they do. They specialize in much the same way that um, departments or segments of of various studios in the golden age of Hollywood would specialize, you know, sure. um, the, the Arthur Freed unit at, um, MGM in the early fifties, all they did was make musicals. The same team went from singing in the rain to the bandwagon to American Paris to, you know, Brigadoon, whatever. Um, that's all they did. So they got real good at making musicals. Um, and Warner brothers is a studio that does lots of different things and they don't have a studio that just makes superhero movies. They have, a a comic book company they own that's kind of a you know a holding company for for licenses and and then they have you know different filmmakers they work with but they don't have a team they don't have an army that is designed to to do one thing um so it's no surprise that they're not as consistently you know they haven't produced as much or as uh, you know the same consistency as as, as marvel has um and that being said they you know, seem to be learning a little bit from some of their missteps and, you know, um, the mere fact that they got Whedon to succeed Snyder is, you know, obviously, you know, a step in the right direction. Uh, I mean, if you're going to replace him with anyone, you know, and that's a Justice League movie, sure, replace him with the guy who made Avengers. Um, (laughs) I mean... It's not a step backward, for God's sake. No, no. And by all accounts, he's not just... He's not just doing touch-up. He's, you know... He's really kind of like re-sculpting the thing, um, as far as the character stuff goes. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, my impression is that the action stuff has already been mostly shot and you know staged and canned and everything, and that Whedon is doing all the character uh, development. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's a good move. And then um, you know some of the other stuff. It's I don't quite understand. Uh, they seem to be complicating things a little bit with this whole idea of like, oh, we have continuity superhero films, we have uncontinuity super, and you know, it's I don't know, it's <laughs> it almost seems to be like letting general audiences in on like business meetings that <laughs> that are like that aren't. That it, it, it seems like they need to kind of like iron a few things out before they start announcing. <laughs> but, but um, well, I don't think they have announced most of that i think all they've really done is damage control i mean we cover this right. stuff you know 
all the right. time, and it's just always like leaks, 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 and then Jeff Johns going, "Well, it's not like that. Please stop saying this." <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, all the potentials there. You know, I mean, yeah. gals, gals, a great Wonder Woman, and I think, <laughs> and I think Ben can has the potential to be a good Batman. Um, I mean, he's he's a fine Batman. I think he's the potential to star in a good Batman solo film. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, um, you know, so it's just a question, I guess, of, of the studio trying to like hire the right people for the right job and get out of their way. That's you know yeah. kind of what every studio needs to do, and um, and it's hard to do when you have so much, yeah, you know, so much bureaucracy as Warner Brothers does. Um, but hey, the law of averages says that if you make twenty superhero movies, you got to have two great ones in there because <laughs> it's just it's really hard to make them all all disappointing. Yeah. So you know. I'm I, I am somewhat like as much as I like I've had you know I've taken great issues with Man of Steel in places and took some issue with a few things in in Batman v Superman uh, like the Ultimate Cut a lot more but you know I kind of feel like I don't understand how you know Man of Steel was so divisive and one of the biggest problems is like Superman snapped the dude's neck in the end that's not Superman how do you mm. follow that up with oh yeah we're gonna have Batman kill forty one people. it's a little weird (laughs) but at this point i was just like no screw it we're doing grant morrison all all versions are valid let's see where this goes i want to see the end of this (laughs) (laughs) kind of want to see how this how this story ends um yeah yeah well man of steel was just remarkable for being a, a darker film than any wolverine film batman film or daredevil film made up to that point um, it's just like, <laughs> how do you make a Superman film that's darker than all those guys? It's just amazing. Even the way it's shot, it's just like, it reminded me of like, it's it's shot like a horror movie. Like, so much of it is shot like a Cronenberg movie, like an early Cronenberg movie or something. It's just yeah. it's strange. But, well, I can appreciate the, the notion of trying to like, I think I, I'm not a big fan of David Goyer. I do... Mm-hmm like the concept of trying to figure out what a hopeful character like Superman looks like in the, in the cynical uh, day that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think my biggest problem with that was not, not just that Paul Kent was a total douchebag and jerk, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that I kind of really wanted to see like the full extent of that. Like Paul Kent kept talking about like, Oh, you don't know what they'll do. They'll do awful stuff. Well, so far they haven't really done anything to Superman. Not really. I mean, <laughs> Fox News had a day with them, you know? They complained about him on the television. That's all that we really saw in BVS. Um, I don't know. I, do you think that... Um, let's see, you, you pointed out uh, Bruce tells Diana in BVS we can do better, we have to. Um, do you think that that was uh, something of a mission statement for the DC Cinematic Universe going forward uh, intentionally? Do you think Zack Snyder was, albeit with less humor... Uh, trying to make Man of Steel and BBS a deconstruction of the violent and cynical edge comics adopted after Dark Knight Returns, like you talked about uh, in your Dark Knight Returns chapter. Like, do you think that they're pushing towards comic book movies or how dark and gritty uh, we started to believe they had to be and mm-hmm. kind of deconstructing that? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're Where saying. Where are we going, um, Joe? I don't Where are know we going? if... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if... If or do you just think he was like, screw it, this will be cool? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, if anybody was deconstructing anything at that point, it might have been Goyer. Because I, I just don't... I think Zach, most of what's going on in Zach's mind sometimes, I think, is like... 
you know, boy, I really want to get back and play Madden football uh, in my office. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I don't know. That's terrible. But um, <laughs> uh, that could be fair. You time. know, he's instinctual. He's instinctual. He's not really. He's not really. A, I don't know. He doesn't really think things through sometimes like that. Um, that seems more like maybe a, a Goyer type thing. But um, yeah, it could be. It could have been a little bit of Goyer kind of offering an apology and a, and a, a way forward. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, um, and I and I think it will. You know, like they are going to lighten up. The question is, it's like you know, they need to just make sure when they lighten up, they don't go to the opposite extreme. You know, in other words, make a Batman and Robin to apologize for Batman Returns. You know, um, no camp. Um, yeah, that should be out. Or at least, um, yeah, well, not in this version. Not in this version, maybe. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, yeah, so I don't know. The night is young. I mean, there's just a lot that's going to be going on, coming out, and um, a lot of directions can go. Uh, um, Jason Momoa is a ton of fun in real life. Um, <laughs> actually, they all are. They're all nice to interview. I, I spoke with the whole cast a few months back about Justice League, nice. um, and. Um, and uh, and they're a lot like their characters. It's kind of funny. <laughs> they're all a lot like their characters. Um, you probably seen like plenty a, of interviews, interview them yourself. Like a product of oh, casting yeah. kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. Because usually, you know, in film, um, you get actors and you hire actors to play roles, and you know, they're they're rarely like their characters. But then in TV, when you do a TV show, you often hire actors who are like their characters, with the knowledge that they're going to have to live inside that skin for. You know, years to come, Seven perhaps. to ten years, um, if all goes well. Yeah, yeah. But in this case, it seems like they got actors, probably because, yeah, because they're, obviously they're signing them on for multi-films and all that stuff, that yeah. they really like their characters. And, and Ezra Miller's a lot like, you know, Barry, and, and Jason Moe's a lot like his, his version of Aquaman, which, you know, hopefully is a lot like Brave and the Bold's Aquaman. Um, yeah. and which, cause I'm that's hoping the, real but, hard, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Far and away, the definitive screen Aquaman, like by by any yardstick. But that being said, I was shocked by one thing Ezra mentioned in um in our interview. Um, uh, I think I can talk about this because it's not it has nothing to do with the film itself. Um, it, because he was um we were just talking to him a little bit about comics if they read comics and what comics they might have read and yeah you know that sort of thing. And uh, Ezra said something like, "Well, right now for me, it's all about Gardner Fox." <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "What? <laughs> like, like that's awesome, but where did that come from? You know, because it's just like you you can't possibly think that would impress me because because <laughs> nobody really cares. Nobody who's doing interviews with actors cares about Gardner Fox, and yeah. very few of today's fans even care about Gardner Fox. So the mere fact that you drop that name." means that you actually are reading early Justice League comics right now and, and getting <laughs> off on them, which is pretty cool. <laughs> like, I still like, hate he's... the fact that they're dressing him in armor, but, you know, his heart's Dude, in the right place. The the people who are pissed off about the armor, which, by the way, doesn't look like a Power Ranger and it doesn't look that bad, mm. um, you know, it's fine. I'm... Dude, Ezra Miller has been dropping names like that since he was cast. Like, it's yeah, clear yeah. just how excited he is to play this role. Yeah. And I wish yeah, everybody would get yeah. off of his dick about this thing. Like, he's oh, a no, fine no, Flash no. already. Oh, oh, he is. Yeah, he is. Um, he's, yeah, he is. like, uh, trying yeah. to be the Flash's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's perfectly cast for that film. And, um, and I, I at least that version of the Flash. There. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before we ever even saw BBS, that cat was in an interview talking about how he uh, hopes that one day he and Grant Gustin 
meet in the speed force on film and i'm like what the hell this is exactly what i wanted <laughs> right <laughs> right totally totally yes Yes. Yeah. Embrace your legacy. Embrace your lineage. Hug, but just, you know, get all those universes. Right. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I think that, um, who was it now? Was it Jason? Oh, I think it was Jason. Not Jason. Um, um, Ray was talking about the cast and he said something where he was like, he, he, I think I mentioned how Gail and, and Ben were the parents of the group. Their characters were, you know, in this film sort of functioning as the mother and father of the Justice League. Sure. And, um, and and Ray um, remarked, um, yeah, and they're kind of like that in real life, too. Um, Mom's really nice, and Dad's always grumpy. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> yeah that, that one shut up around. They're sitting right there. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but... <laughs> that was really good. So uh, nice. I, I take it you've seen the, the brand new Justice League trailer that just dropped yesterday? Yeah, it looks... Um, enjoyable <laughs> the bat signal it, bit is great oh it's yes, absolutely it great did you kind of feel like i felt like it was uh zack snyder visuals with whedon dialogue yes and somebody putting several light filters over the the, the snyder footage <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> several yellow filters you and, may have a know. point there Joy, was joy that is there a, yeah is there a joy filter because it looked like they put a joy filter over it <laughs> a joy <Sorry>. filter <laughs> I have a slight suspicion that he erred on the side of joy and Whedon brought it out <laughs> like maybe <laughs> I want like the, uh, maybe I want yeah. to have this here and did a different take and then Whedon kind of went yeah we're gonna use that one <laughs> yeah 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 well hopefully it all hangs together yeah that I I uh, could that's not the ultimate hope I, I don't think I could actually put that better justice league november 2017 hope it all hangs together <laughs> but yeah. you know what that's exa- that's exactly what i said about the avengers though like i fully and a lot of us did i think fully expect that to be just a complete train wreck um to the point where even when people started saying it was good i didn't believe them because i was just like no how way do you ma- how do you they didn't yeah, pull this like, off how do you keep no all way. these balls yeah this is ridiculous that doesn't make any sense there's no you know they yeah, um, but then like stumbling out of that, and even and then after seeing the film, I remember walking out of the parking lot and turning to my wife and saying something like, "I think that was a really enjoyable movie." <laughs> I think they did, and I'm confused. Wait, I think they actually. I, I, I think, think you we stumbled upon it off. <laughs> I, I think you stumbled upon the phrase "stumbling out of that." Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, and the swarm machine. Just you can't leave it, with the course, clear because head. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't leave with a clear head. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just like you know, and the shawarma scene was just like great because that was almost like that was almost like Whedon just kind of like winking at you, being like, you know, see what I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, by the way, you know, I was here. Cause, <laughs> that yeah, was his yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, <laughs> totally. It was his branding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so great because <clears throat> like when I saw that scene, I, I, I remember I wasn't watching that scene. I was watching a, a discussion that Zach had in. Or not Zach that Joss had in a executive's office, where he he basically said, and, this, and I just remember in my head, I knew this, this is definitely how it played out. But the executive looks at him, he goes, "How do you want to end it?" And then, <laughs> and then he goes, "Does what does Robert think of this?" And then I just remember, you know, and I can see Joss being, "Oh, Robert loves the idea." And then the executive going, "All right." 
Okay. <laughs> 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 We're going to end good. with uh, shawarma. We're good. <laughs> Everyone's involved. You know, I don't think I, I thought that Avengers was going to be a train wreck. I thought it can't be worse than The Incredible Hulk. Well, I thought it would turn out to be like a mediocre Ocean's Eleven, you know, where it would be like a bunch of like kind of characters, you know, all kind of thrown together. And, you know, it's fun just to see them. But at best, it'll just be fun to see them. But, you know, as to whether or not we're going to get a, a great movie out of it. Yeah. I mean, when when they had announced uh, after Iron Man, when they I mean, I was dubious through Iron Man. I was like, uh, I mean, I like Robert Downey Jr., but I mean, can they really do something with Iron Man? And then they were like, we're going to we're going to do Thor and Cap. And I'm like, really? All right. Nobody knows who those people are, really, but all right. <laughs> right, right. You see how right I was. So, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, what does your What does your wife think about all this? She is she a fan proper, or does she just sort of uh, put up with it? Or um, yeah, <laughs> how would you no, categorize I'm, it? Um, uh, I'm I am the luckiest man in the world because my wife is. Um, a PhD art historian student. Um, she finishes her degree in June. Um, mm-hmm. She studies Northern Renaissance Italian art, and um, and yet she has it in her heart to not only enjoy pop culture, but to kind of like you know view it as her drug of choice. Um, <laughs> and uh, awesome. and I I know that that is a rare thing, and uh, I am grateful for that every day. Yeah, I mean. I don't, I don't know too many people who, you know, after a day of like studying Bruegel would just be like, Oh, I can't wait for night Supergirl, you know? Um, <laughs> but she, she's like that, you know? And, um, and she watches, she actually has, has kept up to date more than I have. Like she's, I think she's seen in every episode so far of the Arrowverse. I still haven't watched a lot of last season of Legends of Tomorrow, but, um, Oof, that's a tough yeah. one. Though. That's a common <laughs> affliction. <laughs> don't feel I've bad. Heard. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard yeah. <laughs> But um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm super lucky. She's she's totally into the Marvel stuff and the DC stuff, and you know, she doesn't read as many comics. Um, she did, she didn't grow up with comics and all that. But you know, as far as screen superheroes go, you know, she's she's way into it. That's awesome. Yeah, I am uh, equally lucky in that in that regard. So uh, I feel you. I was actually worried for a long time that I I was gonna have to like keep all of my stuff like in a closet underneath the staircase or something one day. Oh. <laughs> Right. Right. Well, that was that was one of the things I God, I, I have to tell you that. Well, the first time when my wife and I were dating, the first time she slept over. Right. Um, uh, I turned the lights off in my room. And when I came when, when she came in and I was just like, I just want to leave the lights off for now. And she's like, why is there something on, you don't want me to see? And I'm like, it, not tonight. Like, you, you can look t- <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> you can, like. You know, let me and, close um, the door so first. The next and day, we'll talk. Ex- exactly. So the next day, she wakes up, and there's this, um, and you know, it's the first thing she sees is this huge um, original Return of the Jedi poster over my bed, mm-hmm. and uh, and she looks at it, and she looks at me, and she goes, "Oh, I thought it was going to be porn." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm really lucky. I thought that was a classic fear uh, of I, I was dealing in- with in the morning. <laughs> this is much better. Back in college, I brought a girl. I brought a girl to my apartment, and um, my room like was just decked out wall to wall, no negative space on the walls. Just, I mean, it hasn't really changed very much as far as that's concerned. But just Star Trek plastered everywhere. 
Batman. I had uh, Magneto Marvel Legends figures hanging from the ceiling, fighting Iron Man, who were, they had like fishing line, you know, attached and <laughs> hanging from the ceilings. I had just every, just crap everywhere. You had um, dioramas. You had original dioramas. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, like, I just, I like my action figures and stuff. And uh, the girl walks in, looks around, and I just, I was just waiting on it. Because she's one of those, like, kind of trendy people who are like, she's got to be, like, you know, keeping up appearances. She walked in and looked around. She went, oh, you're one of those guys. <laughs> and I was like, yep. <laughs> and she turned around and walked out. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. That'll happen. Oh, that was fine. That was fine. It was like, it's uh, best okay. to rip that Band-Aid off <laughs> right saved a lot of time. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, I guess it's kind of a gift. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I have... Uh, <laughs> Dave has told me that story before, and I have to admire his perseverance. It, 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 he didn't turn the other way and run. No, that was just like, okay, bitch, <laughs> that's fine. You do you, I'll do me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've always been that dude for some reason. Mm. <laughs> like, nope, mm. I'm reading my comics. <laughs> <laughs> They're called action figures. They're not dolls, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That means I don't get inheritance now. I'm just kidding about that. That's not true. That didn't happen. <laughs> but <laughs> that part. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, if, if if money's on the table, then you know, okay, maybe that Return of the Jedi poster is coming down. I don't know, <laughs> but, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason, do you have anything else? I don't know if I do. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I think we've covered. It. I did. I think we've covered a lot um, of it. Do you hear? Hold on. Do you hear pages flipping in the background? That's research. Yeah, it sounds very professional. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I think those pages have been uh, consumed. I don't know. It was a little Rush Limbaugh. You know how he crumples the papers and stuff. I kind of expect you to go on a conservative rant now. <laughs> <laughs> I can for show, but come on. <laughs> I really fine. feel like talking about the wall at the moment. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, what else we got? I don't. I don't think I have anything else. I don't know if I do. You have any other things? No, I think to I, say I, to. I think we've. I think I think we've covered everything I had uh, had down at least. Hmm. Um, by the way, when will this uh, be broadcast? Do you guys know yet? Or roughly about three hours, probably. Oh, seriously? Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you guys. But you guys get it up usually within the week or something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, well it's getting harder with age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, I had to do it. I'm sorry, but yeah, no, it'll probably beat up tomorrow. Oh, well, okay. Well, then, do you mind if I mention where I'll be doing signings for the next couple weeks? Oh, oh do it, yeah, man. Go. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Shoot. okay, cool. Um, there's Because some of them are still being confirmed, but the ones that are confirmed are um, Showcase Comics. It's located in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, that's Wednesday, October 18th. Uh, three days after the book is published, because I think it's officially published on the 15th, although, you know, those things are always fluid and it's already starting to show up in Barnes and & Nobles and whatnot, or certainly on Amazon. Um, and then after that, um, November 1st, um, day after Halloween, at Sun at, no, at Meltdown Comics on Sunset in Los Angeles, um, I'll be doing a uh, signing there, um, which is... Pretty cool to me because that's where Joss Whedon buys his comics. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and um, 
and uh, is also the home of the Nerdist podcast, uh, uh, several Nerdist podcasts. Um, and then um, two days after that, on November 3rd, um, I'm signing at the Barnes & Noble in Burbank, um, uh, just north of Hollywood. And I think that is like six to nine. Uh, I think all of these are basically in the evening. Um, and I think that one's like at six to nine. Um, and, uh, I think I'm doing a little talk there in addition to just signing. Um, so those are the three that have been confirmed so far. And then my publishers, you know, got others in the works, but, uh, you know, that comes later. All right. So thanks for letting me plug. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, dude, yeah, it's a good it. book. It yeah. seriously is. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't spoken with Jason about this cause we're doing it right now, but you are welcome on any time. This has oh, been delightful. Thanks, man. Yeah. Oh, thanks, dude. I have enjoyed it. Uh, well, he's yeah. laughed more at you than yeah. he ever has at me. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, guys. Well, the feeling's mutual. I, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I love your show, and you know, I, I know how what you're doing is not easy to do because you know, especially in this field, because people are so passionate about this stuff that, um, you know, sometimes just offering any opinion is like you know, cutting open a vein. Uh, mm-hmm. and to, so, you know, you know, I, but you guys do it eloquently and, and, and with humor and, and with a, a sense of perspective and, you know, which is much welcome. I think I'm going to cry. That's I, going on something. I might too. I might too. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a very emotional That's, that's going on our cover image on Facebook. Very happy hey. we're here. <laughs> So anyway, guys, yeah, this is uh, absolutely, as I said, a must-have for uh, Batman fans. Um, I've enjoyed the hell out of it. It is uh, called 100 Things Batman Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. And while you're at it, just go ahead and get the 100 Things Superman Fans Should Know and Do Before They Dive. Is, uh, dive? Die. It's sitting right here <laughs> on my desk uh, with the Batman. That's a good question. you like Batman better than Superman? How do you feel? Uh, Batman and Superman are, um, as they are for many people, um, they're my two dads, you know, they're, they're, they're two fathers who have been there for me at different, each has been there at a different time in my life when I've needed them, you know? So I can't say that, um, I really like one more than the other because they, they, they fulfill different needs, you know, and, and have helped me and so many other people get through so many different times and periods for different reasons, you know? Cool man, but I, I like, like but I like both of them more than any other superhero. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a fine answer. That's my God, you were preach, just preach, class act, yeah. <laughs> flatter. Yeah, no, you know it. It you know I I joke and I, I probably do like Batman a little bit better, but I do get tired of the uh, the constant like hateful flame war stuff on i'm you know a member of a lot of groups on facebook and stuff and uh gosh it's just like 20 of them a day in every group just someone you know fight starting a fight about batman versus superman i'm like oh man come on guys (laughs) they're friends in the (laughs) comics right right and and there's an awful lot of real world problems right now that (laughs) it could be debated instead um Oh, yeah, you don't want to bring yep. that up, though, because then people start bringing oh. up Superman working for Reagan in Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> but seriously, oh, my God. Good good book um, yeah. and a great, great guest. So Great little compilation uh, of, of 
God, that's it's a lot of history distilled well. Oh, thank you. Cheers. I think this beats Wikipedia. You know, Wikipedia has like all those little like you know, I always get distracted on Wikipedia because I'll be reading some exhaustive, you know, uh, thing that happened in the Golden Age, and then there's a link, and I'm like, well, what is that? And I got to click, and then you know, six hours later, I'm researching peanuts, and I don't even know how I got there. It happens. So, <laughs> so <laughs> don't go to Wikipedia. <laughs> Buy 100 Things Batman Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die instead. Yeah. <laughs> you'll get yeah. the answer you, you'll, uh, you were looking for, and then you'll have time to do something else with your life. thanks anyway uh i think we're gonna wrap it up and um where do you uh where do you tweet man where can they find you online um at j macabre uh j-m-a-c-a-b-r-e um and then on facebook um which might be of greater interest to um readers of these books because that is where I'm putting um, outtakes um, from the books, um, photos that didn't quite make it into the book, behind-the-scenes type stuff, uh, photos from book tours, photos from the Comic-Cons and all that. Um, that's a Facebook page, um, Joseph McCabe Author, um, all one word. Um, so, yeah, uh, th- that's the one that's book-centric. <clears throat> all right. You heard the man. Go do that, guys. Um, (laughs) as for us uh, we tweeted uh, DC on screen you can find us on Facebook as well Uh, dconscreen.com for every free episode Uh, and that's all of them all 434 now so uh, we'll be back next week with uh, our extended news because we skipped the news this week we had three episodes and uh, actually we're going to have probably uh, premiere reviews for all the shows before that oh it's going to be a long until then guys We're going to be there for you. (laughs) Until then, guys, keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Juergen's The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David Z. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Eli Ophelders of Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud and can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We're a proud member of the Giant Size Team-Up Network, giantsizeteamup.com. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Look around you, that car you're driving, that house your family lives in, making your daughter laugh, inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you. And your dreams for tomorrow, you'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.